Hello and welcome to Def Leppard, Pod, the officially unofficial Def Leppard podcast. Joining me today on the continuation of our hysteria extravaganza and to discuss in particular the 2017 super deluxe edition of the album Hysteria are Judy Nunes and Sakis Nikas. Judy, are you ready and raring to go? Yes, I am. Hi, gentlemen. <laughs> nice to see you guys. Well, right back at you. And Sakis, are you up for this? Yeah, always, always. Greetings from Greece, from Athens, Greece, people. In a minute, I'm actually going to explain what this super deluxe version of Hysteria is for the people who don't know, and just explain also what it consists of. And that's what I've got you two on to do, is to talk about all of the extras that come with the super deluxe version of Hysteria. But in doing so, I have actually deprived you of the opportunity to talk about the main album itself. So that being the case... And I'm a lover, not a fighter. And before we begin, I want to give you each the opportunity, though, to talk about anything that you want about Hysteria, any one burning comment that you might want to make about the album. So, Sakis, if the thing you're going to say isn't about Mutlang, I'm going to be very surprised. Am I right? (laughs) You're absolutely right. Yeah. Uh, Believe it or not, the first thing that comes to my mind when we're talking about Hysteria, it's no surprise for you, both of you, is Matt Lang. You know, the very, very reason that uh, I totally believe that Hysteria is not only the best hard rock album of all time, but I believe, totally believe that it's the best album from any genre. Uh, it's not only the songs themselves, it's Matt Lang. Uh, I could go on for hours and uh, we have done some episodes together about uh, other stuff and I'm always talking about Matt Lang, but I truly believe that without the genius behind the, you know, the mixing board and the console that is Matt Lang, Hysteria was not, would not be the same, you know, without him. So yeah. I could go on about Matt Lang, Matt Lang, Matt Lang, but yeah, I think that uh, Hysteria is part of my DNA as it is for both of you and for all the people that are listening right now. It's not just the songs, it's part of my life, you know, and uh, I can't describe exactly what this album means to me. It's part of myself, yeah. Judy, this this is your free hit. Outside of the super deluxe bit that we're talking about, if you've got any burning comments that you would like to make about Hysteria? Yes, of course. Um, I have to completely agree uh, with Saki's here. Um, what a triumph. Not just what Malang helped these boys to do, really. I mean, these are very young men still. They, you know, came from so many depths of uh, just, just, just from where they came from and for where they last left off and where... They ended up, especially after everything that happened, um, you know, with them, you know, in particular with Rick's accident in, you know, in 1984, when they were in the middle of an album with so much of a delay, with so much going on. I mean, anybody who does anything that is creative and the creative process and in particular music and recording, especially how recording used to be done back in, you know, during that time frame in the 80s. Um, for these boys to get together and come up with these amazing songs to start with and to put the energy and the love and the passion and everything they did to create, as Saki said, is, is it's the greatest album, in, in my opinion, as well, you know, of all time, I think, in this way. It's just, it's perfect from beginning to end, you know. I think everyone agrees with that. It's probably something you're going to hear a lot of in the end. But for me, I think about it, you know, just the time frame of what it was in, the, in that frame. You know, the 80s was such a really complex time. 
the music was really eclectic and really varied, especially, you know, up here in America and in the New York City area and all of that. I mean, there was so many different varieties of music coming in and there was nothing like hysteria, absolutely nothing like hysteria. Um, and when hysteria came out in 87, that's around the range of when I first learned English. So hysteria became a very solid frame of, of what a new language and a new opportunity and new music would have been for me. So it was really striking. But to me, it's always the triumph in the story because, you know, giving up is easy to do. Let me tell you, you know, you can just leave your drummer behind. You can just leave everything behind. You can do whatever. And no one knew what the hell was going on, including that. They went in there and they had faith, they had perseverance, and they were determined because they were going to finish this album. <laughs> They're going to, and as I think Phil was the one that said he doesn't, he never cared if anything was ever sold. If he, just, as long as, you know, wanted to give the album to his mom, hang it on his wall, and he was happy. And for me, that's just beautiful. I like the fact that Hysteria was the album that helped you learn to speak English. I can just imagine young <laughs> Judy walking around going, so love and, you know. <laughs> Because oh, I don't yeah. understand what half the lyrics are, so, um, yeah, well done. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so before we start talking about the Super Deluxe, box set thingy i suppose i better explain to people what it is and in, in in explaining about it as well hopefully validate the reason in which we're having a whole episode about it because there is loads in there there's lots of things to discuss the super deluxe box set it was released to celebrate the 30th anniversary of hysteria it was released on the 4th of august 2017 so that obviously that's 30 years after 1987 it includes five CDs, two DVDs, four books, and a poster. So just to go through broadly what is on each of those things, disc one is Hysteria, although it is a remastered version of Hysteria. Disc two contains Hysteria B-sides and remixes, though those remixes are primarily just radio edits of the singles. And it also contains an audio BBC radio documentary that was originally broadcast on the 15th of May, 1990. Disc 3 is sort of similar in the sense that it also consists of B-sides and remixes of Hysteria singles. It's a little bit different because on Disc 3, the B-sides tend to be live versions of songs, while on Disc 2, the B-sides tend to be original songs, songs that at that point we hadn't heard before although there is quite an interesting cover on there that we may or may not talk about later. I don't know if it's going to be anyone's highlights. We'll soon find out. <laughs> um, okay, discs four and five are, well, not essentially, they are the audio from the In The Round, In Your Face video that was filmed on the Hysteria Tour. So we've had an episode about that video or DVD or Blu-ray um, before. So this is this is it on a CD or on a streaming platform so you can just listen to it and you don't actually have to watch it if you don't want to. So there's that's the five discs. Then with the DVDs, DVD one, that's just got promo videos and TV appearances on it. DVD two, that's the Hysteria Classic Album episode from the Classic Album series. And that also contains some extras from that as well. And interestingly, this super deluxe set was also supposed to have and it was initially advertised as having on it the BBC documentary, uh, like a visual documentary, different to the other one I was speaking about called Rock of Ages. We've actually had an episode on that before. But when it came out, it was nowhere to be seen. It didn't actually feature. And I don't know why, but it was supposed to be on it, but it wasn't. 
There's four books as well. One is a discography. One is Ross Health and Photos. One is called The Big Book of Hysteria, which is essentially the story of Hysteria. Finally, from a book point of view, there's a tour program from the UK, European leg of the tour. And then finally, there's, there's a poster. Remember the poster? You probably can't remember the poster from when I started explaining what was in this about three and a half years ago. Finally, the poster is a reproduction of an advert for the album from the time. So there you go. Hysteria. Super Deluxe. Indeed, this series of podcasts that we're doing now is almost like a Super Deluxe podcast version of Hysteria as well. <laughs> so it all fits in. There's a point. We think this stuff through on Def Pod. So Judy... <laughs> do you think yes. a package like this only really appeals to hardcore Def Leppard fans or do you think there is a wider appeal in something like this oh I think it's a wider appeal I mean obviously for anybody who's really into Def Leppard and you know whether you're a collector or whether you're a super fan in that sense I think it's always uh, it's always good to get information and get new things but I think in the end, if you're a casual fan, I mean, Hysteria would be the album that most of us in this world would know. <laughs> so if there's ever a place to start, that's a, a really fine way to start. And that way they can really you know, delve into something like that. I mean, it's a treasure trove of information. So if I knew nothing about Def Leppard and there was the super deluxe, I'd be, I'd be all right, let's see what this is about and really pour over everything. I mean, I'm a type of person who likes to look at the history of a band, likes to take a look at where they came from or or at least, you know, in, in the history aspect of, okay, we're now in 2023, but in 1987, when this first, you know, was put together, and now 30 years later in 2017, when this, uh, you know, beautiful um, Super Deluxe is put together, I mean, there's just, it's just, it's like going into a pyramid and finding this beautiful, <laughs> this beautiful mummy, I don't know, something, like, you want to, like, pull things apart and, and really take a look at things, so I, I don't know. I think when it comes to artwork, when it comes to history, when it comes to pieces like this, especially when it's really curated. I mean, this is from all everything you just, I mean, I'm sitting here kind of waiting for you to kind of finish describing everything we're about to talk about. I'm like, I don't even know where to even start. So for me, <laughs> this entire thing is so beautiful. I, I just, I, I would be thrilled as a super fan and as a, as a more casual fan to take a look and, and just really pour over everything, especially for that frame of how important it was, not just for Def Leppard's history, but for the history of music. I mean, Hysteria is going to live on 100, 200 years from now. Love all of the evocative imagery that you've just given us there. The, the Hysteria <laughs> pyramid, a treasure trove, yes, <laughs> living on for hundreds of years. Okay. Uh, Which in a way probably makes, makes me know what the answer to this question is going to be for Sack is, is, whether it be this Hysteria Super Deluxe Package or all of these Super Deluxe Packages that you see these days that are coming out where there's like a million things. Sakis, do you think this type of thing is just overkill and it's just there to sort of make money essentially out of fans or is it actually super? You know what? Um, it's not overkill. It, may, it might be overkill for some, but for me personally as a collector, I love this kind of packages. You know, uh, but I don't think it has a wider appeal for the casual fan, you know what I mean? Because if someone wants to hear Hysteria, he would uh, grab the record that put on Hysteria. Uh, you know, we have here in Greece uh, a common joke for uh, Def Leppard's Hysteria. Uh, when someone says, let's do a remix uh, of Hysteria, uh, <laughs> we're instantly laughing because Hysteria doesn't need a remix. It doesn't need yeah, anything. 
Uh, it was remixed in 1987. <laughs> it doesn't need anything, <laughs> you know what I mean? But uh, getting back to the question, uh, I love this kind of box sets uh, because I need all the info that I, can, that I can get for an album that I love. Yes, it might be an overkill because I'm don't only go, I don't only collect, you know, the flapper, although it's my primary, primary, you know, interest or passion. But uh, let's say that I have also a passion for White Snake or, uh, you know, Maiden or uh, anything like that. And uh, Mr. Coverdale, now getting back somewhere else, although he's a friend of Joe, so yeah, uh, always releases those, those kind of boxes and they are absolutely brilliant. Getting back to Hysteria, I don't think that any casual fan needs to get this box set because just the album itself, it's sufficient enough. For us mm. who have a mental problem, you know, <laughs> and we don't have enough, <laughs> oh, uh, the flipper, we don't only gonna have this one, but we will get the 40th anniversary, 50th, I don't know if we can get there, but 40th for sure. Mrs. Def Leppard <laughs> often comments on my mental problem um, with this sort of stuff through my little podcast, as she calls it. <laughs> I'm not on commission or anything, but one thing I will just throw in there is that if you look at any Super Deluxe packages that are coming out for various bands and now, they are extortionately expensive. I mean, like hundreds and hundreds of pounds, dollars, euros. I would say... And, you know, as I said, I'm not on commission or anything. You know, Joe hasn't been emailing me saying, plug the Hysteria um, Super Deluxe. We've got a warehouse full of them that we can't get rid of. But you can actually get this at the moment on um, a a well-known website for £82, which is about €95 and also probably about $95. It'll definitely be under $100 and €100. So you can actually get it. Now for pretty cheap still, like brand new as well, all sealed, nothing second hand or anything. So yeah, it's very affordable. If you've got a hundred dollars or euros, you know what I mean? If you've won on the horses recently, then it might be worth buying it. Right, okay. So this is where it gets exciting. This is the bit I've been waiting for all day. I wasn't able to sleep last night. We're gonna have now we got we are going to select each of five highlights from the deluxe package the reason we're doing it this way is because as you've just heard there's a million million different songs on this and if we did track by track i think we'd all end up just throwing ourselves out of the window to be honest so we're not going to do that we're going to stay in our rooms and not throw ourselves out of the window and we're going to have a fun countdown so we're going to start at five we're going to alternate between us and then we're going to go four three two one if you can, we're going to try and put these in order. So when we get to one, that's the top. That's your highlights of all of the extra stuff that comes with the Super Deluxe edition of Hysteria. Right. Are you ready to go? Yes, we are. Woo! Let's do it. Okay. Right. So we're going to go Judy, Sakis, me in that order for no other reason than that's the order that you are on my screen okay so at number five judy what is your fifth highest rated highlight of all of the stuff of hysteria <laughs> super deluxe oh man you're, you're gonna kill me because i i'm still sitting here de deba debating the number five actually because i have six <laughs> <laughs> so I'm, st I'm still trying to work this out. It's just really challenging. I mean, honestly, just give us six because there were so many. It's not fair. But at the end of the day, 
I mean, look, let's go this way. I was going to say right into the sun. I really was. I was really, it's in there. I'm staring at it. It can't be right in the sun. It can't. Because first of all, it's already in the EP. It was already a side B of a serious single. And it was uh, the eighth song in retroactive. So it's been out there forever. I have to say tear it down for me. Five. Down, um, as I've mentioned in other podcasts, uh, Terra Down was the first time I, I saw them live on, on TV, um, you know, although there was recording and stuff. But uh, this is the recording that I've always wanted to have. I, I wish they had, you know, I, I don't know. I, there, there isn't enough room for everything that I completely understand. But Terra Down is so special. Every time I hear Terra Down, it's always like the live version or the MTV version, I guess, in my mind. But this this beauty. I sat down last night at this cor- the course of this whole week. I've been listening to the entire super deluxe. But last night and this morning, I, I couldn't stop listening to it. That song is just glorious, man. It's just the beginning riff. It's just the entire song. The way it just kicks in and just that that's the song that I feel that, you know, not uh, not that many fans maybe you're aware of or maybe the casual fan or something. But I, I always want to talk about Tear It Down, like with anybody new. I'm like, have you heard Tear It Down? You're going to hear this song. It's really great. <laughs> Tear it down for me. It's going to have to be number uh, number five, then, if I have to choose uh, out of the 50,000 we have to pick from. It's just too special. It's too important. It's Steve all over the place. And Steve is, you know, my dude and all that. Okay, good. This is where it gets interesting because there's a good chance that somebody else has got Tear it down at, at, at another <laughs> number. And I haven't thought it through in terms of do we do we do I ask Sakis that now and then do we talk about it a little bit more now or do we wait till we get to it? I'll tell you what we'll do, we'll wait till we get to it. Sakis, what's your number five? First of all, let me tell you that uh, I love how Judy described this whole thing about tear it down, you know. We need that kind of people in our lives, you know, in our developer community. I love how she described tear it down and what she what it means to her. So yeah, we all love Tear It Down. Although I prefer, you know, uh, a heretic one. I prefer the journalized version because I love a journalized, but yeah, Tear It Down, okay. For me, having said that, number five, it's uh, Rock of Ages medley. I know some people would have it maybe in top uh, one, two, I don't know. For me, it's number five. I love the whole mentality of the whole thing, you know, to include various classic songs in there. If I'm not wrong, this is from the Tilburg concert in 1987. And uh, I love the fact how they included uh, those, you know, they start with the 50s, with the Buddy Holy one, I think it's not fair away, then going all the way to the 60s with my generation, going 70s with the Radar Love, and then getting back uh, with the Beatles song, you know, 60s. <laughs> Again, uh, I love the, how they included and they going through this trip of rock of industry.
like to feel this uh, version of Rock of Ages, I instantly think how in the later years a new band would cover do man, uh, would do something similar and they include the Flipper song. Uh, always thought about that. And uh, the one thing that comes to my mind is the most obvious one, you know, the riff of Poor Samsung Me, which is the most, you know, obvious choice for a new band or the most, uh, you know, recognizable song of uh, the band. So, yeah, number five for me is the Rock of Ages medley. I'm opening a parenthesis here and I say that uh, uh, Deep Purple has done the same thing 20 years ago, in 2001 or 20, 2002. They have uh, Steve Morse uh, on guitar, and they were including right before Smoke on the Water, which is, you know, a famous song of theirs. You know, everybody knows Smoke on the Water, which is based on the Rich Blackmore, you know, riff, dun, 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 yeah. you know, the famous one. And Steve Morse, right before going into the intro of the, that riff, he would play the riff of Back in Black, you know, dun, 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 yeah. dun, love, as the Our Boys doing in Rock of Ages. And he will play, he will include all those, you know, famous riffs, you know, and then Stones yeah. writing the smoke on the water. So, yeah, uh, number five for me is the Rock of Ages medley. No, you're right. It's a cool idea. And you just said something then that just made me think is that when they were doing that in 1987, these songs that they were covering in the medley are approximately 20 years old. So, if Def mm-hmm. Leppard were to do it now, they'd be playing songs that were from 2003, which doesn't seem that long ago, does it? It's like, yes, <laughs> time yes. is weird. Yes, <laughs> you know what exactly. I mean? Exactly. And I thought the same as you as well, because I'll just go through. So essentially, for anyone who hasn't listened to this, they play Rock of Ages, but in the middle, there's a break, and what they do is they play a medley of bits of other rock songs. So they start with Not Fade Away, I know the Rolling Stones version of that. I think there is, there is a previous version. Then they go The Who, My Generation. Then they go Radar Love by Golden Earring. Then they do Come Together by The Beatles. And then they do Whole Lot of Love by Led Zeppelin. And at first I thought, oh, are these in chronological order? Have they been really clever here? But as you just said, no, not at all. Because the first <laughs> song's from 1966. <laughs> then they go back to 1965 with The Who. Then they go forward to 1973 with Radar Love. Then they go back to 1969 for Coming Together and Whole Lot of Love. So if I was going to give them you know, my mark out of 10, I'd give them 9 for the actual execution. But if they put them in chronological order, mm-hmm. I would have liked that, you know, for an actual journey through the ages. Okay, right. Mm-hmm. Excellent. My number five, I've gone for the Rocket Lunar Mix Extended Version. Eight minutes and 40 seconds of Rocket. And the reason <laughs> I've gone for this, it's the longest single play of any Def Leppard song that you can get. There's nothing longer than eight minutes and 40 seconds. So just because it's the longest Def Leppard piece of music in existence, and I love Rocket. And I also like the way that I can just have it on in the background as well. And you just, you know, you're working away and all you can hear is, uh, uh, and all this sort of stuff in the background. <laughs> That's, I like that. That satisfies <laughs> me. So that's my number five. Going to number four. This is going well. Judy, what's your number four? So many challenges. I, I had two. I'm not going to mention the other one. <laughs> number four for me ended up being um, Stage Fright Live. That song, when In the Rat in Your Face came out, man. Ooh, VHS, man. I grabbed it and put it in. I 
I, I couldn't get over it. I, I had never obviously been to a, I hadn't been to a concert yet. I was so young. Um, I hadn't seen the boys yet. And I, I was just like itching to see what they were like. I mean, the, um, you know, pour some sugar on me and all the other videos that were out. I mean, obviously gave you an idea what live was like, but I, I know for, for, for that, uh, when that came out, I was just dying to see it. And I wanted to see what they were like, because we had the albums, we had other things, but my God, <laughs> that was, that I, I, oh my God. I just the setup of how everything started for that. For me, every time I hear the, the stage fright live, um, it's always the beginning of, of that, you know, that VHS tape and and getting into it and how they're getting out of the limo and how they're walking around and everything's being set up. And I'm just, you know, I had my background, you know, was dance at that point. So I, I really was resonating with it. And uh, when uh, stage fright was starting out and you hear um, you hear the beginning of that movie clip you know, coming out here, you know, <laughs> and everything going, you see the audience starts setting up, you see basically, I thought there were shutters at first, I didn't realize it was cloth, I didn't understand what it really was, but as everything was starting on in the background, which is just a whole anticipation of, of starting a show, I it, I don't think it's, except for except for now with uh, Take What You Want and, and the current tour that's happening here, the Bluetooth Stadium Tour and World Tour, but that's the H-Bright Live, man. For me, it's just, there was nothing like it. I never recovered. Rocks. Like everybody else sucks. The flippers amazing. It's just starting on that. And then when I thought about it more in that frame, this this idea and understanding that whoever was sitting there in that audience, this is a frame. Obviously, is the comeback tour. This is where everybody's everything's all covered right. up. And it's like, all right, Rick Allen's gonna play too. Like, I wonder what that's gonna be like. You start hear, hearing the symbols, him hitting things, and you go, ooh, okay. And when everything shuts, like break, like that when that cloth comes down, everything goes forward. Oh man. Just the like you feel the energy and electricity just punch you in the face. It's amazing, the chest and everything. So for me, stage fright live is what again that word I keep using. What a triumph to see them on stage like that and to see that they had and not only did they, did they not lose anything, they gained so much more, not just through their experience and everything they went through because it was so amazing to see them on stage. Just to have that moment where everyone got to see him for the first time. That was the first iteration of that drum kit. There, my understanding is that the current world tour is the sixth iteration of that drum kit. And it looks like kind of like pipe cleaners and weird stuff is in a museum now, but it's just craziness to me what he was able to do. And he's like front and center and all this stuff and everybody running around him and just that stage just explodes. So stage fright, number four, what an opener, what a triumph. On an opener, what a triumph, what a choice, Judy. Yeah, excellent. I'm regretting not putting that in my own one now as well. You've, you've sold me. I should have put that in. I've, 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 um, I've messed up here. Sakis, what's your number four? Uh, before I, I mention my number four, let me tell you that, again, I love Judy's description about stage fright. I'm, I must add that I, I'm a big fan of that opening, uh, you know, song, but I also love uh, Clint Eastwood, you know, famous uh, lines, you know, because I'm a huge, you know, Dirty Harry fan. I love all the <laughs> you know, movies. For myself, number four, it's excitable, uh, pay attention, orgasmic mix, you know, orgasmic <laughs> <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> You know, uh, I, I know that this song uh, doesn't have many, many fans, you know, because everybody loves hysteria, but 
let's be honest here, excitable is not the first, you know, or even the fifth or even the seventh choice of preference, you know, when it comes down to the track list of Hysteria. But uh, let me tell you that I love this song uh, because uh, I love, you know, the, the vibe, not... Many people say that a Def Leppard going Prince, no, because it has that same vibe. But this specific uh, orgasmic mix, <laughs> I'm trying to say that loud. <laughs> uh, uh, it's, it's allowed. Uh, it's allowed. <laughs> <laughs> it has more in common with, you know, the source of inspiration for the song. You know, uh, I don't know if many people know that, but the, the source of inspiration behind Excitable it's a song by the Jacksons, uh, the duet with Mick Jagger called the song called State of Shock. If you listen to that song, it has many, many elements of that orgasmic mix, you know, the, especially the opening. You know, I'm not trying to imitate, you know, not successfully, I must add. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, uh, I love Excitable and I love this orgasmic mix. I'm, pay attention, Neil. I'm not saying anything about Matt Lang's yet because i saved that for number two okay i very nearly picked excitable orgasmic mix as well i haven't because i've essentially picked something else that we're going to come to later for much the same reason and that's because first record i ever bought was 12 inch single of love bites and excitable the orgasmic mix was on that 12 inch so it is one of the first three songs i ever heard of Death Leopard. Yeah. So for nostalgic reasons, I love it. You know what well, it is about Excitable? I feel like people need to listen to Excitable a lot because even, um, okay, I think it was, a, I forget who it was. I think it was Chris Preston was saying, oh yeah, Excitable's good, but he hadn't heard it live yet. Excitable live is freaking mm-hmm. crazy. It is, I mean, honestly, wow. It, I, I, it, I don't think it conveys the same way in the album. I mean, I, the album I still, I think is, I mean, I don't know. It's kind of saucy. It's kind of cool. <laughs> the orgasmic mix is, is really great and everything, but live? Oh, my God. I mean, pour some sugar in me really gets you kind of, especially in America, all American audiences is a little bit extra, but but that song itself, too, it still has that same vibe, man. I was a little surprised with the energy that it was bringing out from the audience. I was like, ooh, okay. So, I don't know. I'm with you, but go ahead. <laughs> no, I agree. I fully agree. Okay, my number four, I'll be very quick, is I've gone for Love and Affection live and the reason i've gone for love and affection live is i don't think there's any other official releases where you can hear love and affection live and it's only on this super deluxe version that i've ever heard them play it live so for that reason it's a live version of a song that is very rarely played live i think it's well it gives you a little window into maybe in 1987 that you know it might have been lined up to a single that maybe it was going to be a song that they thought might be bigger than it was although we do know if there was going to be an eighth single it was going to be love and affection it's much faster when they play it live as well it's like they, they haven't all quite worked out the tempo of it yet but it's a really interesting version of the song and i really like it and it's not available anywhere else so for that reason love and affection live is my number four i'm not very good at maths five for free free is next oh my god <laughs> right okay so free right judy what's your number three Oh, my goodness. I am going to do something I never thought I would ever do, and I'm not going to regret it because I feel strongly about this. Um, I think everyone who knows me knows the hysteria. That song is is my favorite developer song of all time. But I feel that number three has to be love and affection. <laughs> it has to be 
There, there's no way. I feel like that Love and Affection is the most underrated song in that album. That song should have been a single. They really should have released it. I mean, they would have just toured another five years if they just kept on going forever. They just could have kept releasing the freaking album. It would have been fantastic. But for me, Love and Affection, I was, I've been listening to, um, obviously, uh, a week long, uh, these songs and, and Hysteria just kills me. It's just my favorite song. It just gives you, you know, obviously nostalgia. And even if you weren't there, it gives you that sense of it. But Love and Affection, I, I don't think I've ever heard a song like that in my entire life. I really, I can't put my finger on it. It doesn't seem to like match anything I've ever heard. This is from Monsters of Rock, isn't it? But they're out there. And I, I have a feeling that the reason they're going so fast is just they're so charged and the audience is so massive. <laughs> 80,000 people. And there's, you know, Rick Allen back in, in, you know, back in full form there. And I think they, they really believe in that song. and They really wanted to showcase what they were doing. And what, what I love is that my, the, the new album, Hysteria, um, Don't Give Me Love and Affection. They haven't even worked yeah, out yeah, the yeah. title. Okay. Here's another new song. This is from our uh, up and coming new album called Hysteria. This is called Don't Give Me Love and Affection. One of the lyrics got switched because he kept saying, um, I'm not just an, another man, another girl. They switched the lyrics of how I think it was permanently in the album. So they were trying to figure out a bunch of stuff out. So the yeah. idea that they're out there in front of 80,000 people <laughs> singing this crazy song. I mean, that song is like a, you know, it's like a romantic type or not really, but it's like a different version than being, than it, a song that I never would have imagined they would do, for example, for a Monsters of Rock situation. But I love that they took a chance on that. They said, you know what? If there's a time to do something crazy, let's do it now. And I love that that's what they did and that it was out in the ether. This song was alive in 1986. Like, it's just, it kills me. I, I, I don't know if there were any other songs from Hysteria that were done live during the Monsters of Rock or any other time frame. So I think it's really not just special and important. I just, I just feel love and affection is not give, given its due for what it meant in history and what it means for the album itself. I, I feel it's a travesty that it wasn't released, but that is life. So yeah, Hysteria had to go and I had to put in love and affection and I think I'm going to cry, but <laughs> it had to happen. Saki, is that so you're nodding then in terms of the one other song that was played in 86? Do you yeah. know what it was? I think it was uh, Love and Affection and Run Riot, I think. Yeah. All right. I think, I, I think you're right, yeah. Riot. Yeah. Uh, so maybe I'm wrong, but I don't think I'm wrong. I think those were the two songs that were performing during this UK 1986 to Masters of Rock. My number three, yeah. uh, Judy, let me tell you that, you know, I'm trying to go into my not always, but Judy says something and I, I instantly uh, <laughs> get something else in my mind. Uh, well, go for it. Love and <laughs> you should be uh, uh, lucky and happy that the boys included it in Hysteria because in the initial 10 song record, Love and Affection mm. was not part of that first, you know, draft of Hysteria because it was, you know, Ring of Fire and the Fractured Love. And there wasn't, of course, there wasn't Push on Sogonomy, which was, of course, the last song. 
uh, that they wrote, but it wasn't either love and affection. They included it, even Rocket. Rocket wasn't even in that track list, you know, that first 10 song uh, track list of Hysteria. So yeah, we should all be happy that it was included. And yeah, if uh, Joe uh, remembers correctly, Polygram or Mercury uh, wanted to have this song, Love and Affection, as the next thing after Rocket. Yeah, so yeah. My number three would be uh, the extended version, uh, or I don't know, yeah, the extended version of some Sugar on Me. I was thinking also about Love and Affection because it's so rare that they're playing this song, but I have to do... I have to go with uh, Push Some Sugar on Me, the extended version, because Push Some Sugar on Me, uh, being in Greece, MTV came into Greece, uh, first broadcasted in Greece in uh, 1988. We were so lucky because uh, we didn't have, we only have two channels back then. And uh, here comes MTV, and uh, you know, 1988 was a great period for hard rock music. And you open the channel, and there it was, uh, Def Leppard, Motley Crue, Bon Jovi, White Snake, uh, Winkler, you name it. All the hair metal movement, which happens to be my favorite genre of all time, you know, hair metal. And yeah, here comes the extended version of uh, the live version of Put Some Sugar On Me, which kind of reminds me of the extended version that it is on the deluxe version, the deluxe edition. And uh, I was instantly hooked. And bear in mind that Deflep uh, Hysteria was not the first album that I hear, that I listened to from Deflep, but it was Pyromania in, back in 1986. And try to imagine this 11-year-old boy, now I'm probably gone, but uh, having heard, you know, Pyromania, and then there comes a few months later, Hysteria. How can you not be a fan for life after these two records, you know? And uh, yeah, getting back on number three because you know we don't want to be sentimental and stuff like that. Push some sort of the extended version, it's much, much better than the original one. We have this X factor of this extended version that we will talk about on number two for me at least. Is it due to a particular part? But the way you just set that up, I feel I shouldn't ask you now, but I'll ask you on number two, or you may just be telling me yeah. on number two. Oh, so everyone carry on listening. Don't turn off, even though this is the 492nd <laughs> episode about hysteria that you've listened to. Keep listening, everyone. Okay, there's exciting stuff to come. My number three is, what is my number three? I moved them all around, you see, and I've crossed them out, so I can't <laughs> read it anymore. Okay. Oh, yeah, my number three is Ring of Fire. No, I really like Tear It Down. Big fan of Tear It Down. I have picked Ring of Fire, though, because out of all of the B-sides that were original songs and when they came out at the time, people hadn't heard before. My view is that Ring of Fire is the best of the bunch of all of those. Interestingly, I think the version on Retroactive is actually better than the version on the Hysteria Deluxe because there's an extra guitar part at the beginning that you hear on the Retroactive version. That's really cool and a great intro, but they actually, for some reason, you only hear the very end of the the very end of the start of the intro. It's a little bit weird, but nonetheless, brilliant song, absolutely love it. The best B side from Hysteria, in my opinion. Loads of energy, not good enough to be on Hysteria. I don't think. I think it's 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 got a rightful place as a B side, but it's a B side that I think a lot of other bands would like. You know, dream of being able to put on one of their albums. So for me, Ring of Fire, number three. Right then. Okay, so that takes us to number two. 
I managed to go from three to two much easier than I did from four <laughs> to three. We're getting to lower numbers now, so it's within my intellectual capacity, right? Judy, what's your number two? Well, my number two was actually easy. <laughs> it was super easy for me. Um, my number two is Rocket Lunar Extended Mix. And not just because, yeah, right? <laughs> it goes on forever and it's amazing. I mean, I mean, we all listen to music for a variety of different reasons. Um, and, and even if we listen to it because maybe we're bored in life, we want to do something else, we're in the middle of commuting, we're, you know, want to take a break, we want to escape. Um, I, I find with Rocket, that to me, I, I think it's specifically because I, I, I'm not a native English speaker. I, especially in that frame when I was in that, you know, changing into a, a, a person who becomes bilingual. I had never heard a song like Rocket. I mean, Rocket was just bananas to me. <laughs> it was so amazing. And <laughs> just that the beats and the drums and the bass, the bass was so deep. It was just so visceral. It was just incredible. But for me, it's, it's this song, you know, helps you. I, I don't know. I, I find that this song kind of is trippy as hell, man. It, it helps you kind of transcend yeah. your thoughts a bit. It isn't just escape. It, you, you escape somewhere or you want to, go from that point i feel like listening to the song is is a, is a moment of transcendence you know at the end it, it brings you feel inspired afterwards i mean as a creative person i'm listening to you know i put on the extended lunar mix and i i it's funny that we were doing this episode because i was telling you like what are we doing which episode i'm like oh great this is great because i listen to this all the time this is fantastic um the lunar extended mix when i when my when i'm physically in pain when I'm having a tough day, when I'm walking around, I don't even have to really pay attention to the song. As you were saying, it's playing in the background. It just kind of gets into your, your sinew. It gets into like your muscles. It gets into your body in a very particular way. It's just they, they really did something so special with Rocket. You know, I, I, I never heard anything like that. And I love how they play around with so many different sections of it and how it goes up and down. But it really, to me, it leaves me really just inspired. You get to see their musicality. You get to see how, you know, just their vocals. You get to see how special Def Leppard really is. And mm -hmm. Rocket, of course, when it came out, you know, and, and obviously MTV and the rest of the stuff, man, I'll tell you, MTV played Def Leppard all the time, but man, Rocket was on, I think as much as For Some Sugar, it was just on all the time. And it was just, I love the video on top of it too. It's just so unusual. But yeah, man, Rocket for me, that extended version, I, I could listen to that on loop for, for an hour. And I feel like I'm, like I'm meditating in some transcendent space. It just changes my mindset. That's I feel how special Rocket is. So for me, absolutely. Number two. Okay, happy days. Right then, Sakis, what's your number two? Believe it or not, it's the same one. Woo! Exactly the same one. <laughs> hey, I have the paper to prove it here, but I don't mean it's, uh, you know, uh, our listeners don't have, you know, the visual aspect of the whole thing. So yeah, it's Rocket, the Lunar Mix extended version. Uh, actually, for... A variety of reasons. I will pick two of them because for the sake of, uh, you know, time. Uh, the first one is, you know, you guessed it, Matt Lang. Um, okay, I'm being, <laughs> uh, You listen to this song, come on. You listen to the uh, the original version and you, you're recently thinking, come on, is it genius or what? And then you get this genius in an extended version and a lunar mix without laughing, because it's not the orgasmic mix, it's the lunar mix, you know, because as Judy said, it's the transcendence that you get with the rocket, you know, so it gets to the lunar mix. Um, 
you know, when you listen to Rocket, Rocket is my favorite. Let me tell you, this is the second Rocket is my favorite Def Leppard song of all time. It's not only the sentimental value of the song, it's the fact that it gave me nightmare, people. It gave me nightmare when uh, the boys were singing uh, the, the chorus. And as of what I was back then, I was 12, yeah, in 1987. Uh, when the sub was singing backing vocals right after Rocket, you know, Rocket, yeah, you know, and then it says, Satellite of Love. Yeah. I didn't understand what he was saying. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I, I always, I always uh, thinking that he said, Something like that. I, I, it didn't yeah. make any sense. So, yeah, getting back to the Lunar Mix, Matt Lang absolutely signs on this one. You know, it has the perfect mix and you get, I don't know how many, how much it's, uh, you know, the, the duration of the song, seven minutes, something like that. Um, eight, the lunar eight, eight minutes, well, eight minutes and 40 seconds is the lunar mix extended version then there's the lunar mix which is about seven minutes 20 seconds okay even better uh the mm -hmm. more the better. and uh, you know uh rocket my favorite song the lunar mix signs with the matt lang approach so yeah number two for me it's rocket i'm gonna go back then because to your previous choice you pour some sugar on me just the question I was going to ask you is on your extended version of course from Sugar on Me is that the version that begins with a ba bam ba bam ba bam ba bam ba Right, lovely. I just wanted to clarify that, okay, yeah. just so I can doubly agree with those choices. <laughs> and I thought you, I thought you would put Rocket in at some point due to your Mutlang love. I thought that is the most Mutlang song on this in terms of the, the production is at the forefront. I think it's on the classic albums where they say, you know, like the band weren't even there. They'd gone out to lunch or whatever. And then they come back and like Mutt and the engineer and said, listen to what we've done. And you know, it was very much in the studio production and everything. So I'm not surprised that you picked that. I didn't know it was your favorite all time Dev Leopard song. Yeah. Excellent choice, I must say. What's my number two? Oh yeah. My number two is Billy's Got a Gun live. And I touched on it earlier simply because first record I bought, Love Bites, it had this version of Billy's Got a Gun live on it, and I had the excitable, orgasmic mix. And I loved Billy's Got a Gun as much as I loved Love Bites, and it was those two songs in particular that like essentially started my personal Death Leopard journey. And to this day, I just love that version of that song because it just takes me back to 1988, essentially, and being 10 years old. That was my nostalgic choice, really. It was number two. Plus, it's an amazing song. Oh, if I had a drum, I would do a drum roll with it. Can I do it on my desk? My laptop will probably 
fall down or something. <laughs> okay, great. That, that, that just sounds like we're kicking a bin, doesn't it? But number one, okay, the big reveal. Judy, what is your number one highlight out of the 4,079 songs <laughs> that is on Hysteria Super Deluxe? Woo! Uh, you said it. Let me tell you. I, I, I have to say I had a lot more trouble with uh, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10. Uh, my number one and number two were very solid, and, and they're exactly right, I feel. Um, for me, number one is Gods of War. Gods of War live. The remastered is extraordinary, it's beautiful, it's there, but let me tell you, Gods of War live, what a mood. Because in the, in your round in your face, the song prior to that is Hysteria and it's so lovely and, you know, the bass starts and they get together and the song builds. But after that, (laughs) Gods of War comes in and it just takes takes you, I think, by surprise. It just grabs you. I I remember watching uh, in, in, uh, in the round in your face and of course I'm sitting there gushing over hysteria this song and I'm like oh my goodness it's amazing and then gods of work comes in and I am just destroyed what a stunner what 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 a highlight what a mood you see Steve up there with his cigarette already starting and he's like going over and you feel like the almost like a temperature drop you feel the barometer kind of change and the whole stage and I'm just watching it and just the the whole production value of it everything kind of changes up and it is an end of round is really a theater as, as yeah, it comes yeah. about. So when they go over in the middle of that, because it's Hysteria of Gods of War, then Die Hard the Hunter kind of going into that frame and it's about, about midway to the show, changes everything you can possibly imagine about the buffer. Oh my, we're having a great time. What an opener. This is fun, fun songs. Ooh, we're, we're here, you know, jumping up and down and enjoying the show. But let me tell you, when the moment Gods of War begins and the tone changes and the thing just starts to build and all the boys get together and they put their parts in, I, I, I don't know how anyone can breathe out there watching the show because I'll tell you, I was completely stunned and completely breathless. You know, it was just so beautiful to to see it. Um, what a moment. It, it was just, you know, beyond what I think I can imagine. And in the end, I think that's what makes the Leopard in the end so very special because they can make there's a there's a song for every mood. There's a song for yeah. every emotion, as I've said before, the whole situation. But Gods of War, beyond that, it is one of the most exceptional songs written that they've done. It's obviously, you know, it's a Steve song. It's there and it showcases his incredible qualities. But it really, truly showcases them as the five piece and what they are responsible for, what they bring in together. And in the end of the, uh, as, as the song gets crazier and bigger, you know, live, you see everybody... I, you see um, Joe going into like the piano and you see Sav going into the, the acoustic, the electric acoustic, uh, the, 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 the guitar that was electrified and everyone gets yeah. together and you feel like you're watching theater. You feel like you're in a play for a minute and you start like going, all these sounds are coming in and you're like, you feel like you're in this crazy movie and it just sets something up in a way that I don't see that often with live shows. So 
Gods of War for me, number one, no, no problem. A hundred percent. Gods of War. Excellent choice. I've been lucky enough to see them play Gods of War three times, I think. 92, wow. 93, they were playing on the Adrenalized Tour. And then 2018, when he played Hysteria from beginning to end. And it is amazing nice. live. It is absolutely brilliant. So excellent choice. Fully concur. Sakis, <laughs> what is your number one? Again, as it becomes a pattern, I will also comment on uh, Judy's choice because, yeah, <laughs> Gods of War is an excellent choice. Uh, and as we said, Neil, uh, I was lucky enough to see them in Sheffield in 2018 playing, you know, the full history album. Yeah, yeah. From the beginning to end it, Gods of War was a, a true highlight, especially when Sav, right in the beginning, there was a huge photo of Steve, you know, sending out a yeah, kiss yeah. to him. So sentimental, you know, I get goosebumps by just thinking about it. Oh, yeah, great choice, great choice, Judy. And before we get <laughs> more sentimental, uh, my number one choice, and I don't want to cheat, uh, would be... <laughs> Uh, the whole Denver show in the round in your face, but I don't want to say that because it's not. <laughs> yeah, that's the one concert that I wish I had the time machine to go back and see the boys in live in action in all that glory and drive, as Judy said. Yeah. But I have to pick something from that show, and that specific song is uh, my number two, my second favorite song on of all the Def Leppard catalog. It's the title track of Hysteria. And, um, you know, it's the different version, you know, with the opening, the different opening uh, section. takes a man to admit it and uh, I'm sure that both of you, if you're uh, observant enough, will see me crying during that song because I'm not to admit it, you know, because uh, that's the one song, you know, with all those goddamn words, the boys are putting all those images right behind in the video wall with all those okay. photos and pictures and stuff like that. And guys, let me tell you that the whole life passes through my, flashes through my eyes, exactly, because I can see my whole life right through those photographs, you know. And uh, actually, some of those photographs are right in my living room, you know, with all those big posters, of those Hysteria posters. And, uh, oh, man. Yeah, uh, that's my number one, the Hysteria live version from In the Round in Your Face. And uh, if uh, Wells, you know, the famous uh, writer, is still alive somewhere up there, and it has that time I see properly handy you know Greece is waiting for this time machine to get back in Denver and see relieve that so you know that's from that one for me number one for me is still a live version two things firstly firstly I'm glad you picked it because if some if one of us hadn't picked that I know I would have got loads and loads of grief on you know Twitter (laughs) and Facebook because everyone always goes on about the hysteria the live hysteria version um, on in the round, so I'm glad that you picked that. And secondly, don't you worry, Sackis. Me and Judy will be stood either side of you in Sheffield 
in Bramall Lane, the home of the Blades, and we will wipe those tears from your eyes with our special <laughs> Def Leppard tissues that yeah. we bring with us. Um, I'm sure Def Leppard is selling Def it's Leppard tissues. They're selling everything else. So I reckon we've got Def Leppard <laughs> tissues and handkerchiefs um, out there. What well, a choice. Well, We'll use the bandana, the Def Leppard bandana. It'll be fine. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Okay. Very quickly, I'll touch on mine very, very quickly because I don't want to take away from the glory of Judy and Sakis, the esteemed guests on Def Leppard Pod today. Mine is what was Sakis's number five, I think, which is the Rock of Ages medley live. We've already discussed that, so I won't go into lots of detail about it. But one thing I would say about it, is I was listening to it earlier on my big speakers, and you know what comes through really, really loud is you know they use the keyboard bass on it as mm-hmm. opposed to like the normal oh. bass, and yes. it it's really high in the mix, and it just sounds like like a robot. It does sound like yeah. really, really nineteen yeah. eighties electronic. It makes Rock of Ages sound quite different to like the album version or whenever you hear it live now. So again, I like it just because it's a bit different as well. The medley and that sort of bass keyboard in it as well. Right, there we go. Now, I haven't been keeping count, but we had 15 highlights there. I think about 10 or 11 of them were different. Um, we had a few overlaps, mm-hmm. um, Rocket Luna mix. Love and Affection, Rock of Ages medley. But on the whole, so I still think we've come up with 10 or 11 different ones, which is great. So it shows you the diversity that is amongst those million songs on there. So everyone go and check it out. Right, I've got a question to finish up. So it's the 40th anniversary of Hysteria in 2027. Is there any more blood that can be squeezed out of the Hysteria stone? Should they release a super, super, mega, super, mega, super, mega, super, super deluxe version of this in 2027? Is there anything that they can add? Yes. The big uh, answer is yes to the big question. And uh, hopefully, Joe Elliott listens to this episode of podcast of your excellent podcast. So, yeah, let me tell you that Joe should uh, take notice. And I have a few suggestions. Okay. First one is the most popular one. Everybody says that, so I won't be the exception to the rule. It's the famous Jim Steinman demos. Uh, yeah. I know that <laughs> Joe has it, has, has this stuff in his closet and he doesn't want to put them out because, as he said, and I quote, it's crap. Uh, <laughs> but but I, I, don't, I don't think that it's crap. First, because it's Death Leopard. Second, because I know that the chemistry between those two, it wasn't an ideal one, but Jim Steinman, let me tell you, the late Jim Steinman was a genius also. And I know that it wasn't the proper choice for Def Leppard, but Steinman and Krupp, I don't think so. Uh, so yeah, the Jim Steinman demos, it's the first popular choice. Uh, that would be easily once it did. 
the second CD would be, I know that the boys are always thinking that they're trying to put out stuff that it's, uh, you know, uh, as perfect as possible. But I think that the diehard fans need those first sketches, those first drafts, those first yeah. demos of those immortal songs. You know, don't forget that uh, Neil has said it a lot of times. Uh, Animal first was first born three years before the official release. It was three years in the making. Uh, we need those demos, even those uh, acoustic first draft of Pulsar Sugar Me. Uh, and imagine, I was just, uh, you know, uh, I'm sure that Matt Lang has something in the, you know, in store for us. Um, the third one would be easily a soundboard, uh, live audio from the Tacoma show, the, the last ever Steve Clark mm -hmm. show in October of 1988. We need that show in a professional soundboard mix, you know. An official release, release, I mean, not a bootleg one. The fourth, the fourth one, I'm trying to put it like it is a box set. Uh, the fourth one, it's uh, one of those uh, 1986 gigs in Ireland. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, uh, we need those, you know, that uh, period of Def Leppard documented in an official release, even... I would I would say that I I, ha I want to have those two drama shows, you know, Jeffrey. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that would be an interesting choice. And last but certainly not least, and it was a crime that the boys released London to Vegas. It's a crime. They should have put Sheffield 2018. It's Sheffield, boys. Come on, it's your yeah. hometown, and they should have included it in knowledge glory. And for the additional reason that I was there. Thank you, guys. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I like it. I, just because you've mentioned Sheffield, there's no suggestion that this is going to happen, but I just think this would be a great idea. When they play Sheffield in May, the one that we're all going to, they should film that, okay? Mm. And that is all. And they should release that, but they should release that as a double package like they did with London to Vegas, they should also release it with, because it happened nearly 30 years to the day, 30 years earlier, the Don Valley show. So that's what they should do, release the whole Don Valley gig, plus 30 years later, the, the other big Sheffield homecoming gig together as a package, just in case anyone's getting excited. No one's, this is literally just a dream I have um, and nothing <laughs> more. But I think that would be absolutely amazing. And that's got nothing to do with hysteria. I couldn't think of anything else to go on a hysteria deluxe. But <laughs> listen to Sakis now. It's quite clear that there's loads of things that could go on there. <laughs> Sakis, Judy, I've had an absolute ball. I've enjoyed every second of this, as I knew I would. Absolutely fantastic. Thank you very, very much for coming on to Def Left Pod again. And I'll definitely see you soon. Thank you. 